You're listening to Take as Directed, a podcast on global health policy and the news, events, issues, and the people it affects. And the problem is the world is in a shortage of vaccine. How to empower and strengthen women is the role that maternal child health and nutrition. Because stigma, shame, and fear is what drives this disease and and keeps it in the dark. I'm Steve Morrison, director of the Global Health Policy Center at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington, D.C. In this podcast, you'll hear conversations led either by me or by my colleagues, Sarah Allender, Janet Fleischman, and Nellie Bristol, who serve as recurring hosts. We interview leaders fighting against malaria, polio, HIV AIDS, the opioids epidemic, some of the biggest public health challenges of our time. The global campaign to eradicate polio is particularly focused on three countries that remain polio endemic, Afghanistan, Nigeria, and Pakistan. In this episode of Take Us Directed, I, Nellie Bristol, a senior fellow with CSIS, am joined by Senator Aisha Raza Farooq of Pakistan, chairperson of the Senate Committee on Delegated Legislation. The senator served as the prime minister's point person on polio eradication from 2013 through 2018. The senator discusses the evolution of Pakistan's polio program, the challenges remaining in achieving an end to transmission, and her hopes for the new government in sustaining momentum. Senator, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Glad to be here. From your perspective, how did the Pakistan program change while you were the focal point? Um, when I was appointed in December 2013, um, I must admit that I was a, a little daunted by the scale and scope of the challenges that confronted my country as far as the polio eradication program was concerned. Back then, you know, more than a half million children were inaccessible to the program in our federally administered tribal areas. Uh, and many of our close to 250,000 frontline vaccinators worked in a climate of fear, um, and we had uh, quite a few make the ultimate uh, sacrifice. The program was missing too many children. Our surveillance was insufficiently uh, sensitive. Um, So there are a couple of changes um, that we made when I took over, and I think the first important thing um, that was required uh, was a, a renewed political commitment towards the program. Um, Our government had just come in in 2013 uh, through general elections. There was a period of the caretaker government. Then when there was a lapse, there was no uh, polio cell then. So the new government came in. We realized um, that polio had to be declared a national health emergency. There were too many children. The year 2014 was the worst ever in Pakistan's polio eradication history when 306 children uh, fell victim uh, to this uh, deadly disease, which has no cure. It can only be prevented, but unfortunately uh, leaves you paralyzed uh, for life and can even lead um, uh, to to deaths um, in certain cases. So my government uh, at the time, PMLN, declared it as a national health emergency uh, for Health was a devolved subject then also. So we worked very closely with all provincial governments to create this broad political um, consensus amongst all parties. 
we made it political. My prime minister made sure that despite our differences with other political parties, polio must enjoy, polio eradication must enjoy um, uh, support um, uh, and buy-in from all parties. So there was no blame. When we went to other provinces, um, you know, we talked about collective responsibility only, even if one province or the other was not uh, doing well. So that really was um, the major shift at the political level uh, that was made. Uh, and then as far as the operational part of the program is concerned, um, we set up emergency, a network of emergency operation centers, one in the center capital and one each in our uh, provinces, uh, where really all partners and were brought together as one team under one roof, more like one team under one family under one roof, uh, under government leadership with everyone working towards uh, a single goal, and we tried to, you know, change a mindset, created a culture of openness, candidness, and transparency, where we really encourage people to um, come forward to identify gaps and challenges, so that we, you know, only once we surface issues could we tackle them and move uh, forward. Uh, and uh, so, coupled with that, we also switched to um, evidence-based uh, programming where we uh, collected real-time data, and th those data sets um, would guide and inform all our uh, decision-making. Um, uh, coupled with this, we also changed our goal and focus um, on finding missed children rather than focusing on uh, and covering and measuring covered children, you know, which were reasonably very high, but we realized that it was the repeatedly and consistently missed three or four or five percent that were uh, sustaining the virus and causing it to continue to circulate in our uh, key risk and uh, reservoir areas. Uh, and mind you, this was a time when um, polio was not just a health issue in my country. It was a political issue. It was a security issue. So we um, had and worked hard at getting a complete buy-in from our law enforcement agencies where they created um, an atmosphere, an enabling environment for our frontline workers uh, to go out to work and make sure that they vaccinated each and every child in every household um, in Pakistan. Uh, so this kind of foolproof security and access to our previously hard-to-reach areas um, uh, increased outreach of the program, made us um, uh, increase coverage, reduced the number of missed children. Uh, we changed and, and we completely... Um, uh, you know, um, uh, um, you know, had oh, came up with a new communication strategy where we placed our frontline workers at the center of the polio eradication effort. So we we created, tried to create trust and rapport between our vaccinator and the caregiver. Here, we um, relied on community-based vaccinators who were from the community. They were local. They were predominantly female, well-trained and empowered. That the community would trust. Um, and they were uh, recruited for a long period of time. So they um, worked with the community on a day-in, day-out basis. They, they uh, increased demand for the vaccine. They helped build trust and therefore would, um, uh, you know, conducted a house-to-house -house microcensus to list down all under five years old that are our target market for polio eradica eradication in the country. And, and, um, uh, and one very important thing, the shift that we made with the program operations was 
strengthening the performance management and accountability oversight by government everywhere. Uh, so we um, uh, started uh, monitoring of the program uh, at the at the pre-campaign, intra-campaign, and post-campaign mon- uh, phase by independent third-party monitors um, to ensure that we were assessing our own performance and you know realistically and openly and candidly looking at what we were doing wrong and thus with the real-time data that we were gathering, able to rectify um, and um, make timely. Uh, course corrections as we went along. And this did, as you can see, the whole world saw the difference that it made at the end of the day with 306 cases back in 2014. We were gradually, systematically able to reduce that uh, to 54 in 2015, to 20 in 2016, and only eight cases were reported in 2017. Wow, so that was a, a lot of great innovations. What are the continuing obstacles to ending polio in Pakistan? We have just recently seen a shift in uh, a government in Pakistan, not just at the federal level, but in most of our provinces. We have a new government and new political parties there. And while I say this, I am very optimistic and very hopeful that the broad political consensus that is built around polio eradication in the country should continue. However, I have also seen that... Um, you know, behind all this success that we've seen has been an overarching commitment of the government at all levels. And I, I the, so one challenge is for that sustained commitment to continue, not just at the federal level, but at the provincial level, the district level, at the lowest tier of the union council level. So that's, that's very, very important and very key. The other my obstacle and challenge really is to ensure that we continue to work with, you know, some of the best uh, emergency operations center coordinators that um, are working from the government side and, of course, the best that we have from our partners who are assisting us in running the program. I hope those can continue. Uh, One obstacle I foresee is the growing insecurity that we see across the border in Afghanistan. Uh, You know, polio eradication um, in in this region we see uh, in Pakistan and Afghanistan is one epidemiological block and and, go, and, you know, neither country can eradicate um, a polio. Um, uh, you know, it has to be um, done um, simultaneously in both countries together. And we see, a vi- you know, there's continuous movement. We have a long porous border. Uh, until we do not have access uh, of both programs in, in respective countries on both sides of the border, we will not be able to reach and vaccinate every child. And this is a virus that recognizes no borders. Um, and, and that I see as a challenge that one has to tackle and ensure that despite bilateral differences between the Pakistan and the Afghanistan government, my uh, prime minister and the PMNL government ensured that as far as polio eradication was concerned, we, we continue to have very close uh, communication and coordination with our Afghanistan uh, polio uh, team and the health ministry uh, in the la- over the last four to five years. The other challenge, of course, is the very small pockets of refusers that are still there. Um, and we see at times a negative propaganda and social media campaigns 
um, uh, you know, we see that happening all over the world with other, with, you know, measles campaigns and uh, vaccination overall. But in Pakistan, you know, has a fair share of such misconceptions that has to be dealt very proactively before it becomes a, a too large um, a monster. But when I say this, um, while polio eradication has made a tremendous progress, I think it becomes difficult to sustain these gains if you do not simultaneously also strengthen uh, routine immunization in the country, which has seen a dismal progress, uh, to be honest. So I hope we can work towards that. Um, and last but not, um, um, uh, you know, it's very, very important is that poor water and sanitation that we see in the country and inadequate nutrition and poor health services, especially in our high-risk um, reservoir areas. Um, while we had, in, in my tenure, started paying attention to these issues, I do think this um, polio plus activities and these will, will need to be worked um, at more uh, aggressively. I think if we are to ensure uh, that we, um, um, you know, I sort of can uh, tackle the virus um, at, the, at the root and ensure it doesn't spread to other areas because what we've seen is that generally children who become uh, victims to polio are those who have um, inadequate nutrition, they have poor health service access, poor sanitation and water conditions and so forth. It's all linked together. And I think that's something we need to work at now moving forward. To follow up on one of your comments, you mentioned the border areas with Afghanistan and Pakistan and how that's been particularly problematic. What is Pakistan doing to try to create some sort of a joint commission or task force with Afghanistan to deal with that part of the world? Why I was there as the Prime Minister's focal person on polio eradication um, uh, till July 2018 when I uh, resigned and the new government uh, came in. We had um, periodic and regular face to face as well as um, uh, video call meetings with our Afghanistan uh, counterparts not just at the national level, but at the regional levels also. So there's in the northern corridor, which is Pakistan's uh, tribal areas and the, the Khyber Pakhtunkhwa uh, province um, um, and, and the northern uh, northern Afghanistan, as well as the, the southern um, corridor of transmission between the two countries, which is Pakistan's uh, Quetta block in Balochistan, um, and the southern um, districts of um, uh, um, uh, areas of Afghanistan there, this is where we see most of the cases um, uh, centered and um, uh, you know prevalent uh, right now. Um, and it is these regional meetings where not only do the two programs decide on how we want to proceed, which includes things like um, ensuring that at the borders they're vaccinating not just children up to five years, but we've increased the age um, we had increased the age to 10 years. Um, also, we're sharing information on um, a movement of families across the border, so we're able to know where they're settling and we include those families in our micro plan so that no families missed um, to ensure that we have a system of ensuring that no families missed at the border. So we're finger marking in such a sense that just in case there is a family or a child that is missed at the other side of the border, the team ensures that um, uh, they are vaccinated and a regular surveillance updates um, uh, uh, as well as information sharing is taking place. This just needs to continue and be strengthened even more uh, to ensure that uh, we, we are not missing any that's crossing over on the other side. And that only comes if we are one, you have access to your side of the bordering areas to ensure that you're reaching out and vaccinating families who are residing on either side here. What gives you hope that Pakistan will succeed in ending transmission? 
you know, the progress uh, the program has made over the last five years is what gives me hope. I still remember when I um, was given the task of uh, Prime Minister's focal person for polio eradication and when I represented my country um, at the Independent Monitoring Board or at the World Health Assembly, um, uh, I remember how... Um, uh, you know, the world saw Pakistan with 206 cases as a major stumbling block um, as far as global polio eradication initiative um, was concerned here. And how with, with, with sheer hard work, determination, um, uh, we made sure we uh, transformed the program. We made a number of key shifts that I've uh, talked about, how everyone, you know, it's like, it's like an effort across all government sectors, not just the health sector, but uh, law enforcement agencies the Minister of Interior, the Prime Minister's Office, our Chief Executives in the provinces, our District um, uh, Administration, everyone worked together to systematically reduce those cases from 206 to 8 to a point where all international bodies were monitoring uh, Pakistan and um, the Global Polio Eradication Initiative and in polio endemic country performance are today praising Pakistan for this turnaround um, and for how the program has been strengthened. And um, I think we're in a very, very good position to um, interrupt transmission uh, moving forward. Uh, and when I say this, of course, I'm hoping that the new government um, can not just sustain but strengthen the gains that we have made, overcome the challenges uh, that I've, I've uh, discussed over here, uh, and continue to work with the kind of popular political support and consensus across political parties that we had built and keep the program apolitical. I think that is very important. That's the only way you can manage to build trust um, across provinces, across political parties, where you own up to a case, even if it is in a province where you are not in, gov in government. Um, I think that is very, very important. And continue to work with um, and make hold people accountable, whether they are government uh, officials or partner staff working for you in a transparent manner. Um, I see a lot of hope here. I think we have a lot of capacity. Um, we've achieved so much. Um, and I, for one, am very, very optimistic and hopeful uh, that um, I take a lot of pride of the performance of, of that my team made over the last five years. And I do pray to God and hope that for the sake of our um, current and future generations, um, not just in Pakistan, but all over the world. I think we owe it to them. We owe it to all the brave polio workers who've laid out their, down their lives for this cause, um, that we continue in this fashion to finally interrupt transmission um, and make not just the country, but the region and the globe uh, polio-free. Are, are there particular innovations that the Pakistan polio program developed that could be applied to other health challenges there? Certainly, I think um, there are lots of um, lessons uh, learned here, I think, which can be applied uh, to other health um, uh, programs uh, in the country and other, 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 other places also. So one is the reliance that we made uh, uh, on scientific and evidence-based um, decision-making. So collecting real-time data, ensuring that uh, we uh, strategize based on uh, evidence here. I think that that is something that other programs are trying to emulate here, especially the expanded program of immunization in the country. 
Two, I think where you have, especially in Pakistan's case, where you have health programs where partners and donors are helping you, I think it's very important to change mindsets and build a culture of one-team approach where everyone comes out of their silos and works together for a single cause and takes on a collective responsibility. Um, I think that's real lessons and real gains can be made in such a manner um, only. Uh, then I think the way the program relied on a third party and independent monitoring. I think you cannot continue working on a strategy or plan till you do not assess or evaluate your performance. And I think the best thing people to do so are not you doing so yourself, but having periodic reviews conducted by third party monitors and to make course correction timely so that you do not waste resources and you do not waste money here. And to have complete buy-in in a program where um, the implementation is with is not with you but with provinces or other teams, I think it's important to when you're strategizing or coming up with um, plans like we have a national emergency action plan where we work very closely and encouraged bottom-up planning. So it was an iterative process, but very much where we had the teams on the grassroots, the ground, uh, doing the groundwork here to sit together with the national team and provincial team to strategize. That's when there is buy-in, and that is when they work in a more uh, committed fashion. And lastly, I think for all health programs, it is very important to encourage your teams to report gaps and issues for not just timely support, but for surfacing and unearthing issues so that they can be rectified and taken care of uh, moving forward. So in, in my view, I think these are important lessons that can be applied everywhere else. And also, I think the use of technology here, the Parks and Polio Program, has relied in some of its provinces um, on the use of the mobile technology as well as GIS mapping uh, or micro planning uh, to ensure that you don't miss out any households, especially in bordering uh, um, district um, uh, or bordering you know provincial boundaries here in, within the country, um, and to ensure that we um, uh, use the mobile technology for timely transmission of data. And that real-time data has huge benefits when you're running a program of this scale. Thank you for listening to this episode of Take Us Directed. Please subscribe to our podcast so you never miss the latest episodes. You can also visit our Global Health Policy Center program page at csis.org.